0: Hello and welcome to the Offside Raw. It's me, Lindsay Hooper. I've graduated to the presenter seat this week whilst Kate and Hayley enjoy a little respite. But I do have some stellar company alongside me ready to take up the gauntlet of the Offside Raw. First up, she's been at Chelsea and Spurs since fans were allowed back. She's been busy creating her Instagram TV series, Talent Takes Time, and she's managed to squeeze in some time for us. It's Premier League reporter and journalist, Alison Bender.
2: Oh, thanks, Lindsay. What a build-up. Lovely, lovely to be back.
0: And how are you feeling? Because you did have COVID and you were just recovering the last time we spoke.
2: Yeah, it's a difficult one. I have recovered, I'd say sort of 90%, but my breathing is still really strange, which obviously doesn't help when you're in this job. So if you hear me panting, I'm not on a treadmill. Basically, that's COVID. And yeah, hopefully bit by bit. I think my smell and my taste has returned almost. But yeah, it's just not quite as strong. It's a really strange virus, it has to be said.
0: Mm. Well, we don't often say this, but we'll excuse you any heavy breathing (laughs) and making her offside rule debut of sorts because she's actually been part of the team in the past. I can't believe it's taken this long, actually. You'll have seen her on Final Score, Football Focus, the women's football show with the BBC. We also work together at Premier League TV. She knows her fantasy football. You'll have heard her (laughs) on official podcasts. I'm sure I've missed loads off this list, Kelly. Um, Hello to Kelly
1: Summers. Hello, Lindsay. It's so nice to finally kind of feels like I've gone full circle almost because obviously you guys helped me so much at the very beginning. And I've learned so much from both you and Kate. So it's lovely to be on here now once again as a guest. So thank you to producer Abby for calling me.
2: Oh,
0: and thank you for not forgetting us and being able to come here because you're absolutely thriving. It's been brilliant to see. Um, And both of you, absolutely busy couple of weeks that you've had. Uh, You've just been doing
1: an interview, Kelly, before recording this show uh, with a Wolves player as well. Yes, uh, Fernando Marcel. I said to Abby, I can do this podcast, but it does depend on a footballer being on time, which we all know sometimes doesn't happen. He was only 10 <laughs> minutes late. Um, he was very, very lovely. His English wasn't great, but he was super lovely. And the one thing I took away from it was at the end, I asked how Raul Jimenez was. And he said that he actually went, I think his English wasn't great. I think he said at the end that Raul's back at home, but he actually popped into training yesterday, not to train, obviously, to see them all. So that was really nice news at the end of that interview. Oh, brilliant, because that's
0: exactly the sort of news that we want to hear. Um, Mm. I've been one of the fans that's chipped in for a banner that will be revealed in one of the stands um, this Saturday against Aston Villa. So I can't wait to see that. What does Um, it say
2: or is it a surprise?
0: It's a bit of a surprise, Ali, but it's just to give him that recognition to know that we're all thinking of him. Um, But there's been loads of things that have been happening around the Midlands area in support of him getting better. But yeah, there will be a huge banner and people were voting on the design. Um, I don't think my vote actually won, but it's a very good design, so it'll be fine. (laughs)
2: Um, Ali, you were at the North London Derby on Sunday. How was that one? I was. I mean, it was amazing, to be fair. As I suppose as a neutral, um, but to see fans back in the stadium. And I'd almost forgotten um, just what it's like when someone scores a goal to actually hear chants. And because there are so few fans in the stadium, only 2,000 of them, they're actually picking out players as well to actually call out their names, which I thought was quite, quite nice in a way, and particularly subs. There was loads of people uh, shouting at Gareth Bale as he was warming up. Um, but, you know, for the fans, for the Tottenham fans that were there, I mean, how amazing for them to see that the one thing that they've been missing, basically, Son and Cain, um, mm. Just linking up so brilliantly, you know. Score return provider, um, and I know obviously Abby, who's producing the show, is an Arsenal fan, so he's probably feeling quite glum about me talking about this. But I will say, um, you know, I spoke to Mikel Arteta afterwards, and he said he's really proud of the boys. They they're doing everything that they should be doing. They've got great build up play, great possession. They're just not putting the goal in the back, the back of the, the ball in the back of the net. And you know, Obama Yang, who scored twenty nine goals last season, just looks a shadow of himself. Yeah. Um, but hopefully for for Arsenal fans, they'll start
0: to turn good. We might touch on that a little bit more in a moment. I, I did wonder with two thousand fans because the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium—it feels like one of the biggest. I think it is the biggest uh, capacity in the Premier League. Did two thousand fans make much of a
2: difference? Not really. But it's one of the funniest things, actually, I suppose when when I heard that um, only 2000 fans were first coming into stadiums, I assumed and I'm sure most people would assume that they would sort of face space them out around the entire stadium. But of course, because they have to have the staff in and they have to wash down all the facilities and make it COVID safe, they've actually bunched them all into just one or two areas. So actually, they're all quite close together. So there is definitely sort of a concentration of noise from one part of the stadium. But it doesn't feel like that that sort of, you know, hairs on the back of your neck standing up type of thing because it's not all around the stadium. It's just in tiny patches.
0: I feel for poor Leeds, you know, Kelly, because obviously they waited 16 years to get back in the top flight. They're in tier three. Uh, they're at home this weekend, but they won't actually have any fans there. So there's still those teams that aren't able to get fans in stadiums. And you've got a feel, haven't you, for those fans?
1: I know. I'm a Watford fan, as you know, Lindsay, and it was great. Obviously, I'm delighted that fans have been back in there, although the first game back, they lost. They won on Tuesday. But there was a chance, or there is a chance, that if my mum doesn't get a ticket, she maybe won't even see, I'm hoping, won't see Watford as a championship team because maybe she won't get until next season and she'll never have seen them relegated. So you can flip it round. But yeah, I do feel really sorry for the team's of support Leeds particularly because just imagine the noise I know as reporters we were all so looking forward to going to Ellen Road again in the Premier League it was brilliant in the championship I was lucky enough to go there so yeah it does feel a little bit not unfair because we know why it's happening and I think it's been really nice as well not too we haven't heard too many complaints from the teams that haven't got fans in I think everyone's just grateful to have fans in of any type of any support it's just nice to hear noise again I think
0: Exactly. The only slur on all of this, um, it wasn't the most positive of weeks, was it, with the return of fans? When you look at what happened at the new den, uh, Millwall fans booing as players took to the knee just before kickoff. This is for the game against Derby. Then on Tuesday, that turned to the players linking arms as Millwall faced QPR. There was a celebration as well against what had happened from the QPR players. Uh, Fortunately, no boos on that occasion. But I know, Kelly, you've said you've got more angry than you have about anything talking about this issue.
1: (laughs) Yes, um, I appeared on a podcast earlier this week where I listened back and I didn't sound as angry as I felt internally, which I was quite pleased about because I'm just really fed up of it now because the one thing I said on that podcast um, was imagine as football fans, we've all been desperate to go back for so many months. We just want to be at football. Imagine if the first thing you do when you go into that football stadium is boo a gesture that is doing so much good for so many people whether you don't agree with it or not, it's not about you. It's about the black people. It's about supporting all of these other people that we need to stand alongside. I don't want to go to football games while that is happening. I I'm a white female, and it's we want to go to football and enjoy it. That is not enjoyable. Booing booing happens when your team have a bad half, and it's not it's a mock gesture. It's it's just so inappropriate, and it made me so so sad to be honest, Lindsay. I don't hmm. want to go to games like that, and I'm sure you guys are the same. I mean, it's wrong, generally speaking, but they are actually
0: booing their own players. You know, that that that's what you can't get your head around is that you'll, you'll hero worship if if a black player goes and scores um, for your team, a hat trick. But then you can do that when you're trying to show solidarity.
2: I I, I just can't get my head around it at all. Um, it, it's sad, but the, the one thing I'll say is, as you mentioned, Lindsay, it's really good that obviously the QPR players did something to almost fight against that. So... You know, all these incidents are terrible and, and it's awful that they're happening, but the hu- they are highlighting that there is a problem. And I think that the response has been amazing. And we saw the same with the PSG against here, here, um, with the fourth o- official allegedly using inappropriate and racist language. Um obviously, that's under investigation at the moment, but I think it was really important that when the game was replayed once again, uh, obviously that you know both of players decided to walk off in solidarity, great. but then the next game on the Wednesday when they replayed it, it was brilliant to see that they had you know they all took a knee around the center circle. So it shows me that these conversations do need to be, being had and and there's still a lack of education around it and actually that threw up something very interesting and we saw the same with um, Cavani about the use of language in different countries and I think this is a massive topic that needs covering in football at the moment because we're going to keep seeing incidents like this because it is a truly you know multicultural um, game that we're in
0: Mm. I think zero tolerance is absolutely the message we're getting from the incidents that have happened over the last seven days. Um, Supporters, by the way, that arrived on Tuesday evening from Millwall were handed a letter. It said this is one of the most important days in Millwall's history, and it certainly was. So it was really pleasing that there wasn't any more booing then. Uh, Well, this week on the show, we're going to give you a little bit of everything. Uh, We're going to be talking about the times football and clothing have had a crossover. Yep, we go to the mundane. Uh, This after Borussia Dortmund released a SpongeBob SquarePants themed range. Uh, We'll be talking as well money, money, money after Argentina looked to commemorate the life of Maradona by putting him on the back of a banknote. But we'll begin by navigating our way through a tricky Christmas.
1: It's beginning to look a lot like
0: Christmas. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I know that you probably have both seen on my social media channels the Christmas tree in our household was up very early. Kelly, you never sent me the picture of your finished one, by the way.
1: Oh, I need to. I'm so sorry, Lindsay. I will do it. I, um, I still I'm very a nosy about these thing. It appeared on um, on Football Focus at the weekend and got a lot of love, actually. But I did have to, I'll let you in a secret, I had to move loads of the baubles to the side that was... Um, where the camera could see, because it's still looking a little bit sparse. I take oh. I have high levels of standards when it comes to my Christmas tree. It's not there yet, but I'm in. I'm actually recording this in my bedroom because the acoustics are best, and um, I've got a little Christmas tree in here as well. So my other half's going to be really happy when he comes home that the whole house has now been done. <laughs>
0: I'll let you into a little secret too I've gone fake this Christmas oh me too oh, it's so easier there you are
2: it's probably a good idea to be honest because mine's real and it's losing needles fast because we all went really early this year didn't we yeah. so I think I'm going to have like a, just a little birch tree <laughs> by Christmas day, day. <laughs> yeah exactly but you know the baubles will be still hanging
0: <laughs> well with Kate away I couldn't wait to start celebrating Christmas crack open the pigs in blankets I've already had a turkey dinner on Sunday and so let's get a Christmas topic in straight away although this festive period may not be looking all that joyful for some managers. We have to make that point because their results are looking more like a boiled Brussels sprout, which none of us really like, do we, than a turkey feast. So who do you think, both of you, needs a really good Christmas? We're gonna start in the Premier League and that's with you, Ali.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at Arsenal. Um, As I saw in the North London derby, it must be so frustrating for them. I mean, if you're really rotten and you're miserable and you're not creating chances and you're not um, putting in the effort, then that's one thing. But I really felt for Arteta because, you know, so much possession, so much build-up play, as I said, but they're, they're... they're just not finishing, basically, and it's pretty much down to the likes of Lacazette and Aubameyang. Obviously, Nicolas Pepe, who we saw got sent off, and I think it must be really, really tough for Mikel Arteta as well because he's, you know, he's trying so hard. You know, he's worked under Pep Guardiola, and, and he's been so well respected. And he's just got to make this work. And you know, they they go into the Christmas period on a really bad run, and they've got basically they've got Burnley and Saints at home, but then they've got. uh, Sorry, Everton away who are always pretty tricky and I know that they've they've been a little bit off the boil I suppose of late they started the season so well but then they've got Manchester City in the Cup and then on Boxing Day um, they've got Chelsea who are just doing so well at the moment so you know I think Mikel Arteta deserves a bit of a good Christmas. And, and just to make matters worse for Yang as well, obviously, he's just not, not scoring any at all. Yang has only scored twice this season um, after having three shots on target on the opening day. He's only managed six since, which is pretty poor form. And he's just been fined for a tweet as well when he was on international duty. Um, they were basically left um, sort of, in the, in the airport and he put out a tweet saying players sleeping on the airport floor uh, nice job calf it's as if we were back in the 1990s and um, basically they said that this isn't you know isn't the kind of language we expect from a footballer so he's got fine as well so things aren't looking great for him or his arsenal no. too.
0: and not after he signed a new contract as well which keeps being bought up doesn't it since his form dropped off a cliff but I don't think his position um, from Arteta's point of view of where he's been playing him has helped either. Um, Arsenal definitely won in the Premier League then that you hope if you're an Arsenal fan have a better Christmas period. I suppose you also lump in Manchester United in that with Ole Gunnar
1: Solskjaer especially now they're in Europa League as well. Um, Kelly, who have you gone with? Well, I, we can talk about teams in the Premier League but they are still in the Premier League. Arsenal will, barring an absolute collapse, be in the Premier League next season. But the team I wanted to talk about was a team that is basically clinging on to staying in the EFL. And Lindsay, I know you watched Southend United. I think they played out <laughs> yes. very dull, nil-nil draw, didn't they, with Stevenage. Was that last weekend? or Yes, it was. I've tried to that? forget about it, but yes. <laughs> well, there probably wasn't much to remember, was there, really? <laughs> um, but yeah, I just feel it's been an awful few years for Southend United. Um I've actually written here in my notes, Santa ignoring their list for quite some time because let's be honest, the past few Christmases have been quite tough. The decline's been going on for probably two or three years and it could be a second successive relegation. They're seven points from safety and their goal difference is awful as well. And some of the stats here, Southend fans, if you are listening, you don't need me to remind you, but maybe cover your ears. They've won one of their last 19 games this season. Two clean sheets in the season so far, three in the whole of 2020. They haven't scored, as you all know very well, Lindsay, in eight of their last 10 games. And only one goal has been scored from open play. To be honest, Lindsay, I don't know what you were expecting when you rocked up last week. <laughs> because it did have a bit of a nil-nil written all over it, given Stevenage's form as well. So it's just I just feel for them because there's all this ownership problems. They don't really like their chairman, Ron Martin. There's the stadium issues as well and they're at real risk of going down into non-league. I also know their manager, Mark Molesley, did brilliantly at Weymouth and really deserves a break. Injuries as well have played their part. Um, I know a few South End fans and I just feel really sorry for them because, like I said, it's been going on a long time now.
0: I very naively thought that they would see this as an early Christmas present. Playing the team just above them, if you beat them, you reduce that gap to four points rather than going Mm -hmm. into a really heavy Christmas period thinking that you've been cut adrift. And The point wasn't a travesty Suppose in comparison to losing to Stevenage last week, but they didn't take it. It was an open goal and they missed. Yeah but yes uh, looking down the leagues there are some other examples we can give in fact I'm going to jump up just to league one for Sunderland no win in five matches in the league they did have a win midweek because they've changed manager Lee Johnson replaced Phil Parkinson last week and he's already had quite the impact um, they won in the Wednesday night's EFL trophy um, and he also brought in an academy graduate who looked really really promising Jack Diamond is his name just 20 years old so you wonder if that's one what, and one of his ploys is to bring in more academy stars and trust in the youth that's there, um, automatic promotion. We know for Sunderland, anyone who's watched the series Sunderland till I die, one and two. By the way, there isn't a three being filmed. They're going to go back and Damn film it. a three <laughs> if they if they get in the Champions League at any point. We might see one, and we all know that we want a happy ending. Automatic promotion is a must for this team. They have to be back in the Championship trying to fight to get back in the Premier League at some time. So he really does need a lovely Christmas. Ninth at the moment in League One. A few tough fixtures. They've got a home match to Hull City who are currently top of League One. They're away at Accrington who are above them and they've got an away match to Shrewsbury and they're home to Blackpool. So I think a, a mixed range of fixtures, but they could come out of the, the Christmas period in bit, a bit better spirits. Um, also looking at other ones to mention, Ronald Koeman. We talked about him at Barcelona on this show just last week. And he could do with a bit of inspiration, I think. And Neil Lennon at Celtic. I think if you're talking about Christmases and having a good run, nobody needs it more than Neil Lennon at Celtic. Uh, they wanted to get 10 in a row, didn't they? And that's really gone askew. They've got to face Rangers over the Christmas period second of January away and they've got the Scottish Cup final against Hearts this Sunday going to be a tough period for them
2: any final shouts from either of you? You've also got a feel a bit for Chris Wilder and um, and Sheffield United and I know Kelly you said you know at least they're in the Premier League but for Sheffield United it looks like it's, I mean, relegation looks really very much on the card. And I think it's particularly sad when you, you've got a team that I know the neutral absolutely loved last season. They did so well beating some really big teams like Chelsea, Tottenham, Everton and Arsenal. But things are just looking so bad. They even, you know, usually you at least get a win in in the cup game, but they lost that on penalties as well. So really dismal. And I know this is supposed to be a pretty upbeat show, and it usually is, but it's also worth putting a bit of a shout out for those managers who are going to be spending their Christmas without their parents who they lost to COVID. Um, You know, Pep Guardiola stands out to me and Dean Smith of Aston Villa Um, because we just forget that they're carrying on and doing their job and it's really, really tough managing um, football games. And, you know, the first Christmas without your parent is always a tough one.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I hope we haven't put too much of a downer on Christmas for everyone. There is some concern for our football teams out there. I think it's time though to move on and have a celebration. This is The Offside Rule with Lindsay Hooper, Kelly Summers and Alison Bender. There have been a multitude of ways people have commemorated Maradona since his passing just a couple of weeks ago. Napoli renamed their stadium after him. There was a national holiday. There have been various different goal celebrations that we've seen as well. But Argentina want to go that step further and stick him on the highest denomination banknote. So on one side will be his face, and on the other there'll be a homage to his most famous goal. And we're not talking about the hand of God one. The other one. Uh, so this begs the question, who would you, Kelly and Ali, stick on a £50 note and why? Starting with Kelly this time.
1: Well, I wanted to say my footballing hero, but producer Abby laughed at me, which she does a lot of my suggestions, I've realised recently. Um, I wanted to say Troy Deeney, just because I am a Watford fan. And I like that he always talks about thinking he's ugly and his shark teeth. I just think he would think it was brilliant if his face was on a £50 note and he's a Watford hero. But I'm not going to go for him. I'm going to go for a Watford theme. I'm going for Graham Taylor, just because I think this one appeals to a few more football fans than just Watford fans. From Watford's point of view, most successful manager in the club's history. He made us into the original community club pretty much. He made all the players only live within 30 mile radius of Vicarage Road. He took us through the pyramid, fourth division title into division three, promoted again. Um, then we got to Europe FA Cup final as well and obviously he passed away a few years ago and he's still very fondly thought of at Watford Um, I sit in the Graham Taylor stand very privileged to sit there when I am able to go there so yeah for me as a Watford fan I know Watford aren't the biggest club in the world but Watford fans would love that and I think there would be a few Lincoln fans Villa fans and may- maybe some England fans that wouldn't mind that either. Well, I was, was going to ask, actually, if you've got Graham Taylor
0: on the one side, what's on the other side of the note? It's not going to be the turnip, is it?
1: No, well, I'd quite like to be a bit cheeky and put Harry the Hornet on because he's become a bit of an icon um, when it comes to football mascots. And I just think it would also be brilliant because Wilfred Zahar and Roy Hodgson... Can't stand him. I don't know if you r- recall, but when um, Watford Zaha played at Vicarage Road at the end of the game, Harry the Hornet mocked his uh, <laughs> dive that he thought he'd done. Um, Sam Allardyce was in charge of Palace at the time and went absolutely mental about it. And Roy Hodgson, still obviously, yes, Palace fans, Watford won't play you this season. Yada yada yada. I know we got relegated, um, but he used to bring it up in every single pre-match press conference. Well, obviously the journalists would ask him about it, but he would always kind of condemn Harry the Hornet. Um, but yeah, he's a bit of a Watford icon, so he'd have the serious icon on one side and then you'd have the funny one on the other. Okay. So you started us off. I think we can
0: potentially beat this, Ali. What have you got?
2: Great shout. I like the, uh, if we go, (laughs) if we're going mascots, I'm going to shout for mine because I'm a Chelsea fan and Stamford the Lion. Oh no, we're going to have a Chelsea bank note. We're going to have a Watford uh, bank note (laughs) and a Wolves bank
0: note. He actually
2: has a a partner. They brought in um, a female partner for him, Bridget, um, a few years down the line. So you could have one on each side. But to be honest, it was quite fun actually, because when I was having a, a think about this, I suddenly thought to myself, do you know what? I actually have no idea who is on the back of a £50 note. Um, so I had to look it up. Do either of you two know? Do you think you know? And even if I told you the names, do you know what they, they've done?
0: No.
2: So it's don't. basically I don't get Bolton. very many
0: £50 notes. Well, so. no, exactly. No, me too.
2: So it's Bolton and Watt, and I'm like, uh, who? But apparently um, they were known for the innovation of the steam engine. And I even found out that in 2021, so next year, um, they're going to put Alan Turing um you know the, the computer and obviously the you know the code breaking machine during world war ii there was a film about him so he's going to be the new one but um sort of getting back to who i want so i was thinking about it and i just thought the problem is with england we do this thing don't we where we rise people up we put them on a pedestal and we knock them down and so whoever we decided to put on that banknote i'm just worried that it would just turn sour very quickly so for example do you remember during the world cup how we all loved gareth southgate and you know the 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 waistcoats were flying off the shelves of Marks and Spencer. Imagine if we'd put Gareth Southgate on our banknotes. And now when you get a banknote, can you imagine what people would be doing with that? It's just so difficult. And so my shout was going to be I wanted to put um, Marcus Rashford for everything he's done for child poverty. And, you know, I think it's really brave that a footballer decides to go and do something a bit political. Um, But it's just, you know, we, we are fickle and who knows what's going to happen in a few months time. And also, I don't think that, you know, Manchester City fans, for example, would be too, too happy about that. So I think it's going to be quite difficult putting someone who's affiliated with one club, isn't it? When
0: you said Alan Turin, I thought you were going to say Alan Shearer, um, who too. I got on my, on my list, who he scored, big 260, big uh, yeah, he scored 260 scored two hundred and sixty Premier League goals. And you thought of the, the famous celebration, the pointing and the hand in the air on the other side. That would be quite a straightforward one, I think. And equally like that, um, if you go down that route of thinking, Claudio Ranieri for leading Leicester to the title. And you could have some mm. pizza on the back because <laughs> he used to like to give them their star fuel, didn't he? Um, partly responsible maybe for them winning the title those pizzas. Um, Sean Massey was another suggestion that I thought we could have on there as the only woman who referees and officiates in the the top flight of the men's game. And then we've seen Stephanie Frappart, haven't we? Um, Who's Mm. officiated in the Champions League recently. So they could be either side of the note just to try and encourage because often these people who are on banknotes, it's because they're pioneers or they're people who made big breakthroughs. Um, But if I was going to settle on one... I think it would be a banknote in Italy. And it's an if. It's an if this happens. If Juve win the Champions League, then Gianluigi Buffon has to be Mm -hmm. on a banknote. 42 years old, three times a runner-up in that competition. And did you see some of the saves that he made against Barcelona this week? He's 18 months older than his manager, Andrea Perlo. And Messi, yes, Messi, asked him, for his shirt at the end of the match—that's how brilliant he is. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give that one to Italy if he manages to win the Champions League this season.
2: That's definitely a good shout. I think Cristiano Ronaldo, though, with the, the ego that he has, might have a one or two things to say <laughs> about that.
1: <laughs> I like the Marcus Rashford one, that's my my favourite, just because I think it's a little bit more than just football, isn't it? And you absolutely trumped my Watford-related ones. And when you said about Rashford and the fact that City fans wouldn't be too happy, I actually think that Marcus Rashford has shown that maybe during this period, football obviously is very important, but other things are far more important. So I even think that Liverpool and City fans might quite like that one
0: yeah uh, it's universal isn't it i think Mm. you can vote for your winner by tweeting us at (laughs) Pod. you can tell us your answer as well using the same handle because maybe you've got a different suggestion up next we're striking a pose Now I know already that Hayley and Kate are going to be absolutely gutted that they missed the week that we had a fashion section. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got just the right ladies in, in Alison Bender and Kelly Summers to help out with this one. So we're going to talk football attire next. This week Borussia Dortmund teamed up with none other than the character who lives in a pineapple under the sea. Who is it? SpongeBob <laughs> <laughs> Yes.
2: Absolutely
0: love SpongeBob SquarePants. You should be all over this, Ali, having children, and it's to create a new clothing range. And it's not the only odd football meets clothing story that we've seen this week. Um, Gabor Karali, remember him from the joggers in goal? I wanted some of those actually. Well, you can now buy them. They're branded sweatpants, which you can get in the shops. Uh, but can you top that for peculiar football and clothing crossovers, Ali?
2: Do you know? I have to say, I've never watched. Is this ridiculous? I've never seen SpongeBob SquarePants. You what? are missing out. What? You are missing out. <laughs> I don't know how I never. But I can't understand why Dortmund would do, like. Is it? Is it supposed to be quite cool then? I don't, know I don't I'd go that
1: far. <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. It's really annoying. I'm, I'm hearing as soon as Lindsay said those words, I started to hear the theme tune, and it's very <laughs> annoying. I don't
2: know how it's passed me by I'm gonna have to go and watch
1: that now no don't Um, in case your kids get on it don't do it well
2: exactly so I was trying to think I mean when we talked about sort of football and fashion I was thinking about the worst kits and I actually years ago when I was working at Chelsea TV I did a documentary about the history of the Chelsea kit and this one that popped up was called graphite and tangerine and it was vile it's absolutely rank I think it's pretty much always voted as the worst. I mean, we've got some pretty bad ones at the moment. I mean, the ar- sorry, Abby, sorry, producer Abby, but the Arsenal, that marble kit, is that what they're calling it? But it looks like raspberry ripple or blood well when david louise when david louise was bleeding through the the bandage on his head it looked like the kit didn't it (laughs) exactly totally i think it's it's horrible and actually in a similar vein zamora fc in the spanish fourth division um i think that's where they are now they've basically got this kit which is the circulatory system of the body so you've got literally veins and aortas like you know running across it it's absolutely vile but the the weirdness weirdest thing when I was like thinking looking at some of these things is I didn't realize this maybe you girls already know this but um there's been quite a few bands that actually sponsor football um so wet 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 in 93 sponsored Clydebank. Bank So they actually had wet, wet, wet over their kits, which I think is a bit weird. Um, Goldie looking chain um, with Newport and super furry animals with Cardiff City. So I thought that was kind of funny. I didn't, you know, I wonder what bands we might see in the future supporting. Or maybe Wrexham
0: could follow Newport and have Deadpool across theirs.
2: Exactly, exactly. Mm. So yeah, but uh, so those are those are my little contributions there. Um, I couldn't really find like a a really strange kind of, um, I suppose, fashion line. But yes, definitely some strange and weird football kits for sure.
0: I mean, in the main, I have to say, Kelly, that I've gone for things that I quite like, such as the partnership between Man United and D-squared. I think that's pretty cool. Mm. Boss and PSG. Um, I really like that Alan Sem-Maximan at Newcastle has um, got a headband that's been designed by Puma. <laughs> um, <laughs> because there's never an opportunity missed as they're in football. No. Um, and a couple of kits that I particularly like. I have to say Inter Milan this season, I think Mm is brilliant kit and Nigeria. I always love the Nigeria shirts in the world cup, but have you got any ones that you don't like so much?
1: Um, Well, no, there's not too many. I don't like Lindsay, but another one that I wanted to mention alongside the Arsenal one that Ali's already mentioned is the Manchester United third kit, the zebra. I know that's divided a lot of opinion, um, but I really like it. I like something that's a little bit different. I also quite like Manchester City's Paisley one, Um, Just because it's different, I quite like it when football clubs try and do something a little bit different. And talking of things that are different, when we talk about fashion and football, it's slightly off-piste a little bit because it's not a fashion brand. But how amazing was it this week to see Stevenage and Burger King, um, which has kind of been doing the rounds on social media, the fact that now Stevenage women's team will have Burger Queen on their shirts. I just thought what a commitment that is. They've already sponsored the men's team. The fact that they now sponsor the women's team as well. Um, it's just brilliant. So I really like that story as well. Oh, that's good. That is you know, really good.
2: Burger King, I don't know if they're going to do the same thing, but um, I seem to remember that Hitafe um, was sponsored by Burger King at, at some point, and they put the they put the king on the inside of the shirt. So if you basically wanted to do a gold celebration and throw the shirt over your face um you've got the, the king basically the burger king king in front of your face which i thought was- <laughs> I, I hope That's it had a crown cool, as well yeah. just at the right area where you yeah, put it exactly. up over your head yeah. yeah so i think more kit sponsors should do that actually because you know you could even say it's like a lucky dip so you basically get your kits and no player knows exactly what's underneath and they've just got to reveal um <laughs> if they score a goal and basically you, you see what you get so that could be quite fun
0: Oh, you might have started a whole new craze there. Uh, Lionel Messi um, worked with his sister on a clothing brand, and this was only last year. But did either of you notice it? No. No, No, passed you by. But it passed any of us by, to be honest. It's very plain. Uh, I mean, the only thing that you could say really screams Messi is that it's got 10 on it, a few stripes, and sometimes has his name Messi on it. But it's very, very subtle. And GQ magazine gave it a very poor review. So um, I don't think it's going to be doing much or pulling up many days is
2: um, hector bellerin could do a good range i mean he's got mm. great fashion sense and i know i know christian fuchs of leicester he's got um he's got a great brand called no fuchs given and you know it's all about his <laughs> attitude to life and i and, and he actually sent me i've got a i've got a big him up because he actually sent me a free shirt which is pretty cool it's got like a skull on it but surrounded by flowers um, and obviously really popular once, you know, Leicester won the league, but I don't know how, I don't know how, how well he does now with it. But I think it's great that a footballer thinks they can venture out into fashion as well. Why not?
0: And the team that has the players with the most fashion conscious clientele, what would you say mm. at the moment?
2: Mm. Man I City. Yeah.
0: But I don't know if that just stems from or the Pep. Or you know they maybe? You've got to put Everton in there as well, maybe, because oh, Calvert-Lewin, Tom, yeah. Tom Davis. Do you remember the robe and that oh, yeah. they were at New York Fashion Week? Yeah, I think girls, I
1: think we're blurring over what's good and what's not good. We're just talking about the outlandish and saying it's good. I think it's debatable as to whether it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's all personal taste, isn't it? So exactly. I think we'll, we'll
0: stick some of those on our Christmas wish list, but not all of them. And uh, definitely it's a personal taste thing. Uh, just before we end, there's any other business and that's coming next. Mm. We've got to the part of the show then where we look at stories from the world of football that have caught our eye. Something that's caught my eye, literally because it flashed up on my phone as we've been recording this. Uh, Dele Alley, according to FIFA and FIFA Pro, has made the top 55 players in the world, yet he's not played for Spurs since October. That's that's interesting that he's managed to get into the top 55, isn't it? Imagine what number he would have been if he'd played. Mm, he'd be in the top five, surely. Even if he just... Got one assist, yeah. Um, But yeah, that's just been released. Um, Any more for any more, Ali?
2: Yeah, I like to bring a good news story um, into these shows, and because um, football sometimes gets a bit of a bad reputation. But you know Marine FC, who are the lowest-ranked side in the, the FA Cup now, um, and they have the biggest gap between them and their opponents, because of course they're playing Tottenham, um, who are top of the Premier League. Um, but they just said that um, they would allow Tottenham fans to come to a, any game of their choice free of charge next Aww. season, which is really nice. And the reason why... The reason why they've said that is because, obviously, um, because of the COVID restrictions, it means that no Tottenham fans will be able to actually travel to Marine FC for their FA Cup clash. And they were saying they, they wanted them to have that atmosphere um, of an eighth tier team and to see what it's like. So they said all you have to do is just um, email this address, tell us the fixture you want to be at and we'll deliver your ticket in the post for free. How nice! Wow, that's a nice
1: touch. Uh, Kelly? Marine are a lovely club actually I covered their win over Colchester and it was I thought was you so, did actually it yeah. was so refreshing I had to commentate over the penalties that oh yes on. that was that one yeah yes yeah, you probably yeah. remember that was the day you had to commentate over penalties <laughs> as well I think Lindsay yeah. we became um, we got another career didn't we on that day well oh my gosh, actually I haven't done you? it since I haven't done it wow. since so maybe that's telling me something but yeah I've only
0: done it twice in my career so far Kelly I, I, like on final score I did it once before I've had to commentate a penalty and, and that one but I think um, yeah you don't very
1: often have to do that do you No, it was um, an experience, but actually my um, Any Other Business piece is something about Jamie Vardy and um, rainbow laces. We've seen, obviously, that campaign throughout football um, over the past week or so, and it's been brilliant to see all of the LGBT groups coming together, all of the rainbow-coloured corner flags and everything, but Jamie Vardy and his rather overzealous celebration at Bramall Lane on Sunday, as he always does, he can't just run away and put his arm in the air, can he? He ran up, and you've probably seen it absolutely demolished the corner flag at Bramall Lane when he scored the 90th minute winner for the Foxes. Of course, the corner flag did have um, the rainbow flag on it. And as a result of this, obviously he wasn't doing it, you would presume, anything to do with the campaign, but the Leicester LGBT supporters group got a lot of hate online because people were saying he was disrespecting it. Jamie Vardy was actually alerted to the fact that this had happened, and he sent them a flag that said, Foxes Pride, keep up the good work, signed. So. That was just a really nice story, the fact that Jamie Vardy had not meant to do that, realised he'd done it and tried to put it right and they put it on Aww. social media. Yeah, um, and also got some really good um, publicity for the campaign as well, even if maybe that wasn't quite what he set out to do. I think it was nice that it kind of alerted and highlighted the fact that this awful abuse happens, shouldn't happen, but that footballers can play their part in kind of helping them make them feel included. Another
0: really important campaign, it feels like there's quite a few things that have been going on lately and it's great to see football doing good. Um, the one thing that I do want to pick up on with the Rainbow Laces campaign is I think it needs a makeover in the sense of it being called Rainbow Laces. Because if you look on a football pitch, I was doing this at the weekend there are rarely any players wearing laces because the football boots Uh, now, they mould to your feet. And so actually laces, it's only really the officials that wear the laces because players don't use them anymore. So maybe
2: it needs a new branding or or maybe it will always
0: be known as rainbow laces because that's when it started
2: yeah that's a really good point I never I never thought about that because they just yeah they're basically molded to their foot aren't they Mm, they are nowadays and I had a little trip to panini this week
0: it's something that Kelly when when we're at work together you'll see this I I won't ruin the surprise too much but (laughs) when I got there they created a giant oversized sticker of myself. So I walked in a room and was like, oh <laughs> wow. um, but yeah it is really, really cool. And there'll there'll be a Christmas treat for, for you and some of the Premier League gang. Um, so that's coming soon. Where Ooh. are you both this weekend?
1: I am at the game that everyone wants to be at. Um, I'm at Birmingham versus Watford on Saturday. Um, that That's where turned, you want though, to be, though, Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say no one else does apart from me. Um, and then on Sunday, I'm in the Premier League studios presenting the highlights on Sunday night. So, yeah, cold on Saturday, hopefully warm on Sunday.
0: Yeah, That's exactly. a nice mixture.
1: That's a nice mm-hmm. mixture,
0: being out in the cold and then getting some nice time in
2: the warm as well.
0: Ale
2: um, Ali? Yeah, it's so true because I was at two games last weekend and I felt like I spent the entire weekend cold. So to get a studio gig definitely is good. Mm. Um, so I'm only working Sunday this weekend and I'm at Fulham against Liverpool. And actually, it's the first time that I've been to Craven Cottage um, this season since Fulham have been back in the Premier League. So I'm really looking forward to it because, as you both know, um, Fulham is such a lovely club to work with, aren't they? And such a nice stadium. Mm. So. And you won't recognise it if you have not been for a while. You won't oh, recognise really? it. What's mm-hmm. what's, cha- what's the biggest change then? There's
0: a whole new stand and it's currently in development it looks very swish
2: oh wow and then of course you know 2,000 pounds as well so that'll be a bit strange as well so yeah I'm really looking forward to this one and obviously against Liverpool who you know they've got all their injury problems but you know they seem to be doing pretty well actually despite massive criticism at the moment I think Klopp's slightly losing it at the moment isn't he he keeps talking about Chris Wilder in every single press conference <laughs> um, but yeah Scott Parker could do with a nice Christmas as well so yeah I think this is one's Liverpool's though isn't it
0: uh, I'm going to be at Wolves uh, against Villa so hopefully I'll get to see that banner that, that everybody's chipped in for from the, the Wolves brigade um, and, and let's see what that looks like for Raul to try and get him back speedier. Although Kelly's given us encouragement already from the fact that he's been Mm, to the the training ground. That's good. And also I'm I'm then doing prime video. So I'm going to be at Leicester against Brighton. And Leicester have been a funny team, I think, this year because they're doing so well. They're still fourth in the table, but you don't feel like they've really hit their stride yet, does it?
1: Yeah, Leicester have been a weird one this season because they just lack consistency. I was on a show the other day and I was saying they can be so good but for me, they're still so reliant on Jamie Vardy. And we saw that against Sheffield United at the weekend. And the table does feel like it's all, in some ways, it's shaping up. Because I feel like at the moment when we talk about Liverpool, we kind of forget that they are still right up there and only behind on goal difference. So mm. I think it's going to be a really interesting Premier League this season. Because technically you can't rule the likes of Leicester out. But then it's very tight, kind of from fourth down to round ninth as well, I think. Yeah. yeah, I don't
2: think we've ever seen such an open Premier League season, to be honest. I mean, I know I know it's only early days, but then, you know, usually we say that by Christmas you can start really talking about who are genuine title contenders. And when, you know, when it's maybe four or five clubs, then I actually I think it could be really, really exciting. Even though, you know, Mourinho is constantly playing it down. I mean, how can you when you're top of the table and doing so well and being so consistent?
0: He can because he's Mourinho. Exactly. (laughs) That's how. Uh, Well, that is it for this week. Thank you both for keeping me company. Pleasure. Always lovely. I
2: love coming on. Thank you.
0: If you want more Offside Rule in your life, and why wouldn't you, uh, just head over to our Twitter page and Instagram pages where you can see the full rundown for Offside Rule's top 100 women's footballers. That's courtesy of Rich Laverty and The Guardian. It's at Offside Rule Pod. But that's it for this week. We'll be back again the same time next week.
2: You've been listening to The Offside Rule, part of The Athletic
1: Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything offside at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at OffsideRulePod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of The Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on The Athletic app. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production.
0: Muddy Knees